0: This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voices of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voices of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued
1: support through his estate planning.
2: This podcast is sponsored in part by a proud supporter of Monarch Schools and Make-A-Wish San Diego. Monarch School educates students impacted by homelessness and helps them develop hope for a future with the necessary skills and experience for personal success. Make-A-Wish San Diego grants wishes to children with life-threatening medical conditions to enrich the human experience with hope, strength, and joy. To learn more about how you can get involved, please visit monarchschools.org and san Diego.wish.org.
0: With these disagreements, we're like, well, how do we resolve this? You know, two thirds of the company wants to go one direction and one third of the company wants to go another direction. And then it got into, you know, are we, is this unanimous decisions only or is this majority rules? And, um, based off of just some dumb business stuff and it just, things started getting nasty.
1: Welcome to I Made It in San Diego, Voice of San Diego's podcast about the stories behind the region's businesses, the big and the small, and the people who made them what they are. I'm Kinsey Moreland, and in this week's show, a story about how a family business grew, fell apart, and managed to pull it together again. San Diegans who shop at farmers markets probably know Ryan Smith. He's the guy with the bright red hair and over-the-top enthusiasm who, years ago, spent a lot of time at most of the local farmers markets, eagerly hawking his healthy vegan dips.
0: And I got the chipotle chili. It's smoky, smoldering, spicy, like me.
1: Back then it was called bitchin' sauce, and lots of San Diegans, including me, were convinced by Ryan at these markets to at least try the dips. And lots of people, again, me included, would then end up buying the sauce because, oh my goodness, it is good. It's pretty healthy too. And Ryan's a likable guy who would enthusiastically tell everyone to have a bitchin' day. So sometimes people would buy this stuff just because of his charm. Ryan's whole family was involved in bitchin' sauce, which quickly grew from a side project into a multi-million dollar business based in Carlsbad. But in 2015, an intense family feud left just one family member with the business and the keys to the Carlsbad factory, while the rest had to figure out what to do next. The new business the rest of the family has built since that grueling split is called Good Lovin' Foods, the cornerstone of which is a trio of healthy vegan sauces the family claims are better than the last. Ryan says both businesses would never have been born had it not been for his mom. A vegetarian hippie who introduced the kids to many of the healthy, unique ingredients used in both of the sauces to this day.
0: So before health food was like even a th- like a mainstream thing, she was she was on the front wave of it. So I I call us when we grew up, we were kind of like redneck hippies <laughs> because we embraced like very hippie things like the foods and the you know. Um, it's everything that was like natural type stuff. Um, so
1: like what? Name some of those foods.
0: Oh, shoot. I grew up on tofu. I mean, that's like what I grew up on before. I guess now in like the natural world, tofu is like no good anymore. But um, I ate so much tofu. I, we were vegetarian growing up for like 10 years. And what's funny is my dad's like the opposite of my mom. My dad's like, barbecue, you know, smoked meats. All the meats. So when mom's (laughs) gone, like that's what we would drink. That's why I call it like a mixture of like hippie redneck because my dad's more redneck.
1: So you uh, were eating like nutritional yeast on your smoked brisket. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That might not be
0: that bad. (laughs) No, so my mom was, you know, all nooch and brags and my dad was – you know, smoked meats and stuff. So we, whenever she would leave, we'd, you know, indulge with my dad.
1: Nuch, is that what the kids call nutritional yeast these days? Nooch,
0: hippie dust. <laughs> There's all sorts of fun names for
1: it. So what about the animal convictions, though? How much of a part did, does that play? Did that play in your... Just, the animal stuff? Yeah, like loving and not wanting to kill animals or oh, use their products. Oh, my gosh.
0: You're talking to, you know, you're talking to now the redneck side of me. Okay. So, uh-huh. you know... <laughs> I, I grow, I'm, I'm like in the inhumane side of the animal things I don't agree with, but in terms of like a fisherman into hunting, all these things, I mean, that's totally me.
1: But if there were, if you were a Venn diagram, then it would be like hippie one circle and redneck the other. And you're that rare, like 1% of people who fit in the intersection of those two things. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm right in there. After Ryan graduated high school, he moved to Santa Barbara to become a nanny, or a manny as he calls it. His sister Star moved to Santa Barbara to live with him, too. They both were experimenting with veganism at the time, but for Ryan, it wasn't going so well. He found himself gravitating toward the richest, fattiest vegan foods he could find, and he couldn't seem to think about anything but food. It was around that time that Ryan and Starr first started making what would eventually become Bigeon sauce, a hummus-like dip or spread, but with ground up almonds instead of garbanzo beans as its main ingredient. Every one of their friends who tasted the dip would tell them how amazingly good it was, which made them start thinking they might be able to start some kind of food-related business. Both Ryan and Starr moved back to Carlsbad, and the whole family actually lived in one big house at the time. Four adult siblings and their parents, and they always had a lot of friends hanging around for dinner every night. No one had a lot of money, so dinners often ended up being a mixture of an early version of bitchin' sauce on top rice, beans, avocados, and whatever other vegetables they had around the house. Tell me about the first time you stood around a kitchen and made what would eventually become bitchin' sauce. Was there one time where you were like, yes, this is it, this is or was it an evolution? It was it, there was an evolution
0: around it. Like my originally even before we moved to Santa Barbara, I know my mom started doing some stuff with those ingredients like almonds and nutritional yeast and lemon juice and you know, kind of like an almond hummusy type thing and it was okay. It wasn't what, you know, we we then perfected, but um it was all right and then moving on from that point, there wasn't. I don't know if it was just like an aha moment. We start, it just started getting good. It had this really delicious, earthy, umami flavor, kind of a flavor that not many people have experienced. That's why it was so kind of like impactful. Is mm-hmm. it's like, wow, this is the only way to describe what I'm tasting here. It is bitchin'. And, um, it's It was like a whole new flavor for people that mm-hmm. that had this addictive quality where it's like people wanted to come back for more and more and more and fit a lot of diets. And so I don't know if there was like a aha moment where it was like, oh, my gosh, we nailed it. We had friends say, man, you should sell this. Like there was one person in particular who was like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. Like you really should sell this. Mm-hmm. And that got the wheels turning a little bit to at least try to price it out and see what what it would take. But um, it really got better as we kept making it Mm -hmm. and perfected it over like a seven-year period to the point that brings us to the point where we actually decided to take it to market and do something with that.
1: When did the idea to really go for it as a business idea?
0: Okay, so to go for it as a business idea, it had always been in my mind since I'd been perfecting this recipe to like, you know what? I think I could do something with this and it would go, like I said, I had priced it out even before we started anything. And, um, I just had a feeling like it's just one of these ideas where you're like, this could work, but jumping from point A to point B was a hurdle in my mind. I didn't know how to do that, especially having no money, you know? So that was, you know, my main excuse. Um, my sister, she worked for a personal chef and, um, she kind of saw how that personal chef business worked. She liked the hours. Um, she was just an assistant, but she was like, you know what? We can do this. We can do this. We could start a personal chef company. It's easy enough. You don't have to have like any sort of crazy credentials. It's just, you know, you start and, you know get a website and build a business. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, she had an idea to do that. She came to me and wanted to partner with me on building that personal chef company. So I was all about it. So I'm like, sure, that sounds great. And um, we were like, well, how are we going to even be known? You know, how is anybody going to find out about us? And so that's when the idea came up. Well, let's just go to a farmers market and bring some of the stuff that we make uh-huh. and um try to get in front of people that way and promote that service. And So what year was this about? This was 2000 I think it was 2010.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: And um we did it was it was just a way to like market our stuff really inexpensively and it's it's just a great way to test things out, the farmer's markets, to go to market totally. and do a test to see, like, you know, does anybody like our stuff?
1: And so what happened at these markets? Were people just losing their mind over this product?
0: You know, the first market was, I think we were in San Marcos, really small farmer's market. And um, it was a whole new experience for us. We, like, hand-painted all our signs. We did all this stuff just kind of, like, janky just to get out there and get something out there, you know? like as cheap as possible. And my sister baked tons of vegan baked goods and, you know, gluten-free stuff. And it it took her forever. It took her all night to make this stuff. It was like the biggest pain in the butt ever. (laughs) And, you know, I whipped up the first batches of what we call bitchin' sauce. And it took no time because... What
1: did you need at that point? Just a blender? Yeah, just a blender.
0: You know, just a blender and the ingredients. And so I whipped up. The first batches and we had like eight jars, and um no that, label we did, yeah, we did print out a label for the first like while we were at farmers' markets for the first i don't know six months, we used to cut out all our own labels <laughs> oh, God it was,
1: and so you were already calling worse. it bitch and sauce at this point at that
0: time we came up with a name, we came up with a label um it was bitch and sauce under the uh the
1: Personal chef business Brand, name. Yeah, yeah, which was
0: called the pie smith is what
1: we call it. The pie it. smith. Yeah. Okay.
0: So um
1: so how did you settle on that name? Was that a controversial thing, you know? No, that was super easy. Uh my mom thought it was controversial.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> she's she's like, You guys are shooting yourselves in the foot for, for naming it this. But
1: Yeah, it can be offensive to some people, right? Yeah.
0: But we wanted to go for something that really uh we wanted to go for something Southern California that was going to grab somebody's attention, you know. And I, th- that side of like marketing, I I really think through like what would what would make me try something, what would I be into trying, you know? Bitchin' like, sauce, bitchin' sauce. If somebody <laughs> said that, that would like that would kind of be a pow in my face, like wow, Southern California, like, and then it matches the flavor, so. It starts building this whole experience around the product, where you're like, "Wow, this is, you know, this is bitching." Yeah. And it definitely, you know, offends people who don't understand the term, but. Uh,
1: but it means awesome, supremely great, yeah, right? That's yeah, excellent,
0: remarkably that. wonderful. So. Um, <laughs>
1: You've explained the definition before once or twice. Yeah. Can... <laughs> oh yeah, I've had
0: to. I've had to explain my way out of a lot of
1: things with that. <laughs> okay, so you're at the San Marcos farmer's market you've got the all the stuff your sister baked uh the sauces with the hand cut labels that you made and what what happens
0: so we sold a few okay it the response was really good from the customers who did try it i mean san marcos is crickets as far as a farmer's market goes <laughs> that's why we were able to get in because nobody's there <laughs> so um we sold a few uh my sister's mother-in-law like bought the rest of them from us just that's sweet just yeah just to be nice, nice. and supportive <laughs> um but at that point it was like after selling a few it was like well we sold a few if we get in front of more people we're going to sell more this is super easy to manufacture like Let's switch up our business model here, and instead of doing baked goods, all this stuff, you know, for our marketing for the personal chef service at the farmers markets, let's just do the dips, you know, and and leave the other stuff to the side. We'll still promote the personal chef thing, but this is actually sustainable.
1: Yeah, and suck them in with the sauce, maybe, and then yeah. start talking personal chef upselling. Right? Exactly, exactly.
0: Okay. And um that's when the Bitch and Sauce brand started is we got into bigger market in Lucadia and um we I think our first one we sold, I forget how many units we sold. We sold maybe 40 units, which was which was decent for, you know, just starting. And then we started duplicating those markets, you know, the amounts that we were in to where we got into we were doing like 25 a week at one point in San Diego County. Wow. Yeah.
1: The healthy vegan ingredients and addictive flavor are just part of the secret. The other things that helped drive success was Ryan's over-the-top positive vibes he put out while slinging the sauce at farmer's markets. His friendly persona helped the business take off. And right from the get-go, um, I don't know, you might be offended if I call it a shtick, but I like I have memories. Shtick? I have memories of you. I remember, I mean, I distinctly have a memory of you
2: just
1: being Being overly enthusiastic and Mm. bubbly and just like you could not walk by your booth without having to stop and see what this guy was so damn excited about. You were so excited. I think your face was on the label. My face was all
0: over that label.
1: (laughs) And, you know, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to like be like, you have red hair, but your red hair. I mean, you just stood out as yeah. this person yeah. who was so excited about this thing. The and bitchin' guy. The bitchin' guy. And, of course, <laughs> you saying, you know, saying, have a bitchin' day. Oh, and yeah. So were you doing that right from the very beginning, or did that evolve over no,
0: time? No, that evolved. So in the beginning, you know, the, the bravest we were was, come. well, at first, I think we were just saying, come try our delicious sauce. Okay. You know, and then it was like hey, come try some bitchin' sauce. And we saw we just saw how people reacted to it, where they were like, you know, it started turning more heads when we'd say bitchin' sauce. They were like, okay, well, let's keep saying that. And um, my sister did some of the initial farmer's markets, but she had kids at the time. I was single. I didn't have any kids. So um, we kind of split up and it was like, okay, Ryan, you do the farmer's markets and run those and she'll do the the other aspects of the business like manufacturing and design stuff like that.
1: So early on you and your sister set some goals. Yeah. What were those goals?
0: Uh, Those goals, the first year was to, we wanted to, I don't know how many farmers markets we were in, but the personal goals was we, we each wanted to make like 4,000 bucks a month from our company. That's decent. Yeah. Good. Uh, Yeah. And that answered a lot of other things that were personal goals, like for me getting out of debt, being able to support myself, wanting to be married, so being able to support a wife, family, all those different things, you know, mm-hmm. um, same, same parallels with my sister too. And so um, that was our end of the year, first year goals, and we hit those really quickly. I think it was like three or four months that we, we reached that goal.
1: Did that surprise you? Uh, you, or did it just like reaffirm that gut feeling that you had always it had? Just, it
0: just reaffirmed the gut feeling. It just – once we started, I, the picture started filling in with color and started becoming more clear. It's like here's the path that we can take and here's – like we really can go big. That, that Those limiting things that were limiting me were not limiting me anymore. It was like I can I can see that this meets a need for people. And we're able to impact people in more so than just a product. And that comes into that whole like bitchin' lifestyle that I was living. Like that developing. I saw how that impacted
1: people. Sure. But and- I don't think, you know, and I wonder if you know the answer to this. But I don't know if I bought that first uh, container of bitchin' sauce because I really liked the product or because I liked you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you're talking about. Those positive vibes mm-hmm. that you just like. So there's flood onto people. There's the
0: other aspect of it where I had people come and purchase the product not because the product was so great, but because of how how we made them feel. Because our whole goal, our my whole goal, and still is carries on past that company is to uh, really serve and love people unselfishly, not, I'm not doing it for myself. It's not, what can I get from you? It's not how many sales can I make? It's how can I serve you with what I have? I have a delicious dip. I have a personality that can brighten your day, you know, Mm -hmm. and I have, I can, you know, I have humor. There was a lot of humor in what we were doing Like, just ridiculous, corny, dumb humor that people loved.
1: After the farmer's markets, Ryan and his sister set their sights on getting Bitchin' Sauce into stores. The first spot to say yes was Cream of the Crop in Oceanside. After that, it was Seaside Market in Cardiff. Then Jimbo's and other big chains. More and more stores started saying yes to carrying the product. And eventually Bitchin' Sauce was in Whole Foods and then Costco. By this time, the whole family was involved in the business— which was scaling up fast. So did you have any really big hiccups during that scaling process? Um, Did you learn any big Mm. lessons during that time? Or was it Mm. like relatively easy process for you? Just sort of a natural organic growth of the product?
0: It it definitely was a natural organic growth. Um, It was just my family at that time. You know, my parents... Uh, worked for the company. My brother, my younger brother, worked for the company. Um, we brought my older brother on as a uh, owner of the company, one third owner at that time as well. Um, and you know, it was just a whole big family family thing that we were doing.
1: And did you have to make any big sacrifices to build the business early on? Oh, it's
0: been it's well, uh, yeah, it's been it's been tons of sacrifices. If if you want – if it's called like – you can call it bootstrapping or whatever. But we lived in a house that we called, we called it the Shanty Mansion because it wasn't a nice house. But it was kind of big and we could all live there. So, I mean, there was a fridge in our living room. We named Magda. She was really loud. And <laughs> uh, it was – there was tons of sacrifices being made to grow the company, you know, like – many many long days and it was like do whatever it takes type thing to to get there there were weeks where we didn't get paid and you know all that stuff did depending you, on how the business was doing if it rained and farmers markets closed you know
1: no money no money <laughs> speaking of money did you take any investments from-
0: uh no no we didn't we started pitch and sauce with 200 bucks
1: Who's 200 bucks?
0: Oh, I guess we did take some money. Yeah. So, (laughs) so, um, I think our cousins gave star 200 bucks stars, my sister to, uh, to start it. And that's what we used and then we paid it back.
1: Nice. Ryan's mom came up with a recipe for a health bar. So they added bitchin bars to their product line. The company was doing really well. After just five years in business, they were pulling in about $2 million in annual revenue. They had opened a manufacturing facility and office in Carlsbad, and were in the middle of growing the company even bigger by moving their products into stores in Northern California. But that's when the trouble hit. The problem started small. One of Ryan's brothers wanted to move to the Bay Area so he could help grow the business there. Everyone in the family agreed that it was a good idea, but there was a discrepancy over how much he should get paid. The Bay Area is expensive, so he wanted to make a little bit more so he could afford the higher rent and cost of living. Ryan says it made sense to everyone except his sister Star. He describes it as just a dumb little disagreement over a business decision that ended up blowing up and eventually tearing the business and their family apart.
0: You know, we're a family who started a business. We didn't have like, a shareholders agreement and you know, here's your stock certificates and all this stuff, you know, it, I mean, as I've told the story starting, it's like, we kind of just like jumped into this. I didn't have an education. I would have done things differently, not because I don't trust people, but just for communication purposes. Um, and so with these disagreements, we're like, well, how do we resolve this? You know, two thirds of the company wants to go one direction and one third of the company wants to go another direction. And then it got into, you know, are we, is this unanimous decisions only, or is this majority rules? And, um, based off of just some dumb business stuff and it just, things started getting nasty.
1: When we come back, how one family member took over the entire bitch and sauce business, and why the rest of the family ultimately chose not to fight.
2: podcast listeners please join Voice of San Diego for our next member event the rescheduled Brews and News Member mix-up at 5:30 p.m. Thursday November 9th at the Museum of Man in Balboa Park Voice of San Diego and the Museum of Man are teaming up for an evening of civic affairs exploring the human experience and of course beer This free event is only open to Voice of San Diego and Museum of Man members So if you're not a member already, become one today. Events like these are just one of our member benefits. To learn more, go to voiceofsandiego.org slash membership for more information.
1: Hey, welcome back to I Made It in San Diego. I'm Kinsey Moreland. Bitchin' Sauce was a multi-million dollar family business when things started getting tense. Ryan went on vacation in 2015, and when he came back and showed up to work at the family's facility in Carlsbad, he couldn't get in. His keys wouldn't work. He says Star, his sister, had the locks changed while he was away. What had started as just a little disagreement over how much money to pay one of the brothers who wanted to move to the Bay Area to help bitch and Sauce grow had officially escalated. Star launched a full-blown legal battle to get control of the business. I reached out to Star for her version of events, by the way, but she said she didn't want to discuss it.
0: My sister uh got an attorney to write a letter to us saying you know all the um all of the intellectual property of bitch and sauce is mine i've just been allowing our company bitch and sauce to use it and bitch and sauce like that product is shoot you know 97 percent of our revenue at that time so she's saying that's mine all the accounts that are connected with that are mine. All of the money with that connected with that is mine. You know, the most honest thing she did through the process was lock the doors. That was the most honest thing that I had heard from her in the past, you know, three months of going back and forth, because there was just sneaky stuff going on, and you know, it was like we knew it was gonna come to a head at yeah. some point, and that's what she wanted. She wanted control. You know, she she didn't like the fact that um there were two third owners that had majority and she wanted control and so she decided to take it.
1: And so did you try to fight back? Did you get a lawyer involved? Well, How I'm, hard did you fight to get your company back?
0: Oh my gosh, well at that time, I mean, again, this is all new to me. You know, I, this is like I've I I haven't even heard of this. I'm thinking like, you know, I'm living in a movie. This is only happening to us, you know, come to find out, you know, this stuff happens oh yeah the
1: hostile takeover there's a term for it yeah there's a
0: a term for it so um anyways we were trying to figure out which direction we we needed to go it's like man do we get police to go you know open the door and so we can continue business because we're still the majority owners of the company Mm -hmm. you know and uh and we didn't i just wasn't inspired to do that um in terms of like hiring an attorney and all that, you know, there's so many people saying, you know, you need an attorney, you need to hire an attorney, and do all this, you know, go after this. And um, I talked to uh, one guy who, was, um, who has a, a big business and he's like, well, you know what happens when you do that. And he's like, the only people who win are the lawyers if you do that and i'm like okay i mean I, I i don't know it's all new to me so um what really helped us what really helped me be at peace with what we did was actually seeing god's will in the situation i i am a christian and you know i i base my life off of loving people and trying to do what god wants me to do and there's a part in in the Bible where it talks about, you know, taking a brother or sister to court. And it talks about how <laughs> you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you do that, not only, you know, you lose, you you're the one who's doing wrong also. And it's better to be um to have wrong done to you than to do that. And so when I read that, I was just like, well that puts that puts me at peace, like, you know what? If this is the way it is, like, um, that's the way it is. And so we offered to do a mediation with my sister according to what we were reading in the scriptures. Like, let's do a mediation like it says here. It says not to go to court, so let's do a mediation because it talks about how to do it. And um, she refused to do that. And so we, at that time, we were like, well, how do we just walk from it? Because I would rather do what's right by God than um, try to, you know, fight for some self-preservation, you know, of my family, me, my, I had one girl at the time, you know, I was like, you know what, God's, God's bigger than this. It was, it was just, it was just super nasty. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Definitely wasn't there was something else going on that it was like, where's my sister at? You know. Yeah. So, um
1: So you lost the business. So we Your family. We, we
0: let it go. We You gave up. We We did not give up on on life. We just we let it go. And we let we just instead of doing the legal thing or bringing police to knock down the doors or something, it was like, you know what? We're gonna go God's way and you know, my identity is not just this business, you know, even though I was living the bitch in life, I was the bitch guy, <laughs> you, <are> the- <laughs> you know, it's like this brand was something that I, that I built. So um, it definitely was not easy. And, you know, there was so many emotions and feelings that you, I had to sift through, like, what is like a sound righteous thought versus my own emotions trying to you know, because people can act emotional and make not good decisions. So Do um, you
1: regret the decision to not, not take not it at to court? Never. At all. Not one no, not once.
0: No way. No way.
1: So she won the business. She mm-hmm. lost her family in mm-hmm. the process. Um and you didn't give up Instead, no. you started a new company. How long between the doors being locked and you launching Good Love and Foods? Um, we
0: launched Good Love and Foods in October. I think the doors were locked August, or I resigned from bitch and Sauce August 15th and walked August 15th in October. We started our new company.
1: Wow, not down for long.
0: No, we were like, well, imagine imagine going from... You know, a six-figure salary to nothing, moving out of your house with your wife and baby, moving in with your brother, and going, you know, what are we going to do? So that's kind of the, I mean, extreme, extreme, you know, circumstances surrounding it all. The same thing with the rest of my family, too. My parents resigned and walked. My younger brother resigned and walked. And... um So it's like, what are we going to do? And we were like, well, we're really good at this. You know, we just spent the last five years building this company, learning so much. I mean, that experience is worth something. You know, the experience, the brand building, it really, it was, it's been huge in San Diego. And so there were things that we wanted to do to make the product even better. And, um there were things that we were like, we can still grab the essence of what we were doing and continue to impact people the way we were. How probably if people are listening and they know that they ever met me at a farmer's market, there was some sort of impact in a positive way. And so we wanted to continue that positive impact. Um, And so we we definitely were not down for long.
1: (laughs) And so did you start... You know, obviously, now you have the experience, the business experience. Um, You had to start over completely from scratch. Did you build it in a similar way? Are you out doing farmer's markets again? Or Mm -hmm. you just started, you skipped all that part.
0: We skipped that part. We, We wanted to pick up where we left off.
1: So you started by going to your stores and saying, here's this product. Take this product.
0: Correct. Yeah. So, well, it's funny. We had all these contacts and um cuz we were the ones out doing deliveries, doing the sales, farmers markets, all that stuff. We decided we didn't want to do the farmers market thing because then it would be like us and all out dip wars with my last company. Yeah. And I'm like, dip I'm, not, wars. I'm not doing sauce wars. <laughs> <laughs> There's a better way. Um so we and we wanted to pick up where we left off. Our company was going to do 2 million in revenue that year. And we were like, you know what, Um, where that company was going anyway, was stores and reaching more people. So, and we knew a lot about the infrastructure of that. So we're like, let's just do that and um, go bigger. Our, our vision grew insane when we walked from bitch and sauce, it grew massive, like way massive.
1: It's been just two years since Ryan and the rest of his family launched Good Lovin' Foods, but the business took off quickly. Their new dips, which come in three different flavors, chipotle, lemon garlic, and cilantro lime, don't include soy like bitchin' sauce does, and they use a lot more nuts and seeds. So Ryan says that gives the flavor more depth. They also make chips to pair with the dips, and their mom's health bars are now part of the Good Lovin' product line, too. But most importantly, the biggest difference this time around is that the business is just a lot more businessy.
0: What we did was um, we, it's my mom, me, and my older brother, who are uh, like larger shareholders, but we gave stocks to everybody else who walked from my last company who was promised stuff that we couldn't deliver because we walked. So we gave everybody a little chunk. We have fantastic investors. Um and and uh that's basically the team. We have it's it's all structured correctly. This we, time. Have, yeah, we have, <laughs> you learned we a, have a team of advisors, we have a board of directors, we got, you know wow. everything that you Should have with a company, and um, I actually have stock certificates, which is fantastic.
1: You learned your lesson. It was a hard lesson learned, man.
0: It was a hard lesson, and um, but it's been it's been fantastic. We within within man, we launched Good Loving Foods October. We hit Whole Foods shelves um, the following year. think September 1st mm-hmm. which is in the food world is very quick um, and then we got we yeah. ended up getting all our Costco business and more back and um, it's been growing We have other product lines just besides our line of dips it, it, now this I'm I'm saying all the good stuff. this has not been like with the new company it hasn't been without battles and you know like everything going wrong it's just like oh my gosh how how can things continue to go wrong i mean it's been it has been a battle but we're growing <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what have some of those battles been uh, um
0: So with my last company, we did all our own manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And the new company, manufacturing has been the largest battle for us because uh, the manufacturer just hasn't been able to get it right with um, what it should be. Mm -hmm. And there's been tons of just inconsistencies in the product. So imagine launching a product uh, in Whole Foods, having – A recall with your launch in Whole Foods because the product's not up to – it was a voluntary recall, but product's not up to standard. And then imagine dealing with this like for two years, which is what we've been dealing with, some inconsistencies. So it's really hard, especially when you know what your product can be. It's super hard to put all this money into marketing selling when it's like, man, it's, it's not exactly perfect.
1: Ryan and his family have gotten their Good Lovin' products into dozens of stores across California, and they're in a few other states, too. I actually ran into Ryan's little brother at a Costco in Colorado not long ago. He's got bright red hair, just like Ryan, and he's now the one doing the whole friendly sauce-selling shtick thing. Ironically, Costco's in San Diego have yet to open the doors to Good Lovin' because Bitchin' Sauce is still doing so well here. That stings, but Ryan says he'll keep pushing and keep building his family business without ever looking back and longing for the old one.
0: I'm just gonna keep i i say in business we're like we're like water we're just we just keep flowing, things get in our way, but we're getting through the little crack. we're just a force that will just keep flowing.
1: <laughs> Have you flowed to uh two million annually yet
0: uh yeah we're we are uh I guess our first year we weren't there. This year we're we're there. Congratulations. So, and our we're we're what? Doubling every quarter. So we were on some serious growth.
1: Well, I know you're a good Christian, so you probably won't gloat, but that's gotta feel pretty good to know that you could build a business again. Yeah. So quickly.
0: Yeah. I'm 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 super thankful and blessed.
1: There's that good question. <laughs> no, I I mean it's
0: it is really it's really awesome. It's I'm really, really it is really awesome. Just the all the circumstances and maybe we'll like write a book about it. There's even more. There's even more just You didn't you know, give
1: me your all?
0: Well there's I mean <laughs> you want kidding. me to go into everything right, that we've right. overcome? Yeah, there's no. been some insane overcomings to you know get to where we're at today and you know it really is like couldn't have done it without god and and um you know
1: so that's the secret sauce of your secret sauce that's the
0: secret sauce that's why it's called good love and if you look at one of the o's it's it's lighter than the other hmm. and it says god loving
1: Thanks for listening to I Made It in San Diego. I wrote and produced the show, Scott Lewis edited the script, and Adam Greenfield mastered and mixed it. Visit voiceofsandiego.org podcast to learn more about our weekly Voice of San Diego political affairs show, our Good Schools for All education podcast, the Cura Chaos show about movers and shakers on both sides of the border, Beer Talk Radio, and the rest of the shows in the VOSD podcast network. If you like the show, go to voicesandiego.org and click the donate button. Or if you're interested in sponsoring it, contact me at Kinsey at V-O-S-D dot org. That's K-I-N-S-E at vosd.org.